0: Looking to throw down the sideline. Hester caught it. 10-5. Touchdown. <laughs> touchdown. Jacksonville State. He eludes traffic. He'll drive it down and jam it in. Oh, my. Jamal Gregory. Highlight real time. Sports Center top 10 time. This is Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Hello everyone and welcome into Behind the Beak, the brand new podcast from Jacksonville State Athletics. This is episode four of the series and if you haven't checked out our previous three installments, go give those a listen. Athletic Director Greg Seitz, long snapper Josh Brady, and Senior Volleyball Defensive Specialist Maddie Cloutier join me for weeks one through three. Those podcasts, along with all future podcasts, can be found by searching Behind the Beak on the Apple Podcast app and Spotify, or by going to JSUGameCockSports.com podcasts. And if you haven't already, click the subscribe and follow buttons to be alerted when new episodes are available. This week, I sit down with former NFL quarterback and current JSU assistant football coach Cleo Lemon. The former QB talks about his unconventional journey to the professional ranks, coaching the Gamecocks, and the importance of giving back to the community as a student athlete it is a fantastic interview with some great stories along the way but first let's get you caught up on the news jacksonville state football earned an improbable win saturday september 14th downing the number four eagles of eastern washington 49-45 after falling behind 28-7 to in the first quarter the gamecocks rallied back and scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to pull off the upset with less than one minute remaining in the game and the ball in eastern washington's possession Quarterback Yul Gowdy picked off Eagles quarterback Eric Berrier to secure the win. JSU quarterback Zarek Cooper threw touchdown passes to Jamari Hester, Josh Pearson, and Michael Matthews and ran for one more in route to winning Ohio Valley Conference Offensive Player of the Week honors for a second week in a row. Meanwhile, a 67-yard pick six and phenomenal coverage from Marlon Bridges earned the senior Stats National Defensive Player of the Week honors. The Gamecocks wrap up a three-game homestand next when they tingle with the Lions of North Alabama. Kickoff is set for Saturday, September 21st at 6 p.m. at Burgess Snowfield. The game will broadcast live on ESPN+. Jacksonville State Volleyball claimed two wins over the weekend while hosting the Gamecock Classic at Pete Matthews Coliseum. JSU topped both Sam Houston State and Stetson Friday, September 13th with back-to-back scores of 3-1. The Gamecock's lone loss of the tournament was a 3-1 loss to Mississippi State on Saturday, September 14th. Junior Lexi Libs was named the OVC Setter of the Week for the second consecutive week following the two-win weekend. She directed JSU's offense with 141 assists over the three games and recorded a season-high 50 assists against Sam Houston. Volleyball is back in action Friday, September 20th and Saturday, September 21st at the College of Charleston tournament in Charleston, South Carolina. JSU is set to square off against Charleston Southern, New Orleans and the College of Charleston at the two-day tournament. In soccer, Jacksonville State dropped back to back 3 to nothing games to Alabama on Thursday, September 12th, and Mercer on Sunday, September 15th. The Gamecocks begin OVC play at home this weekend, hosting EKU Friday, September 20th at 5 p.m., and Moorhead State on Sunday, September 22nd at 1 p.m. at the JSU Soccer Complex. Both matches can be watched. On ESPN. On the links, the JSU men's golf team placed second at the Golf Week Program Challenge in Pawleys Island, South Carolina last week. Kim Vidal Mora finished third in the tournament at 12 under par, while Jesus Montenegro placed ninth at 4 under. Men's golf continues fall play this week at the Golf Week Conference Challenge. In Cedar Rapids, Iowa. In women's golf, the JSU ladies finished tied for eighth at the Golf Week Program Challenge in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The Gamecocks shot a five over par 293 as a team in the final round. It was their best score of the tournament to climb one spot in the final standings, 232 over for the week. Javiera Espinoza led Jacksonville State at four over for the tournament, finished tied for 12th among the field of 78. She led JSU with a one under par 71 in the final round. Cross country did not run over the weekend, catching a break from the Alabama Heat. Their next event is the Wingfoot Classic in Cartersville, Georgia, on Friday, September 20th. That's what's happening in JSU athletics, and now it's time for our interview. Cleo Lemon, lettered four years at Arkansas State, where he threw for a then-school record of 2,721 yards in 1998 and totaled 48 touchdowns in his career before spending nearly a decade in the National Football League. Today he is in his first season as the Gamecocks quarterbacks coach after spending the first two years directing the JSU wide receivers and as his players would tell you Lemon still has an NFL arm. The retired pro recently bested Saints quarterbacks Taysom Hill Teddy Bridgewater T.J. Barrett and former Chargers teammate Drew Brees in a quarterbacks challenge in New Orleans training camp. So without further ado here's this week's guest Cleo Lemon. Recording on location tonight, we're over at Burgess Snowfield inside the Visiting AD booth tonight, and I'm sitting down with Cleo Lemon. Cleo, thank you for joining us on the podcast.
1: Man, thanks for having me. It's um, exciting time throughout the this part of the season, you know, getting ready for a, a tough home game.
0: By the time everyone listens to this, the Eastern Washington game will already be in the books. But, Cleo, you uh, came here two years ago, started your uh, career at Jacksonville State as the wide receivers coach. And then now this season is your first season as the quarterbacks coach. Talk about that group of guys that you had those first two years with Jamari Hester, Josh Pearson. Talk about the situation that you walked in with those two guys and the success you guys had as a wide receivers core.
1: Yeah. uh, When I first got in, you know, the room was a it was a different dynamic. You know, we had uh, Tess Terry, who was an explosive slot, you know, and he was probably my most explosive player at that time, him and um, Dub. And Dub was a transfer from uh, the University of Wisconsin. And, you know, he had put in a lot of work for us. And um, those two guys really did a a really good job of of taking the coaching, being examples in the room, being leaders. And then Jamari was, was a developmental receiver who was, you know, had some things to work on and you know had some issues at the time but you know kind of felt with his athletic ability and his size and the way he approached the game of football his his intelligence and the way he learned I thought he had a chance to improve and he you know he and he's worked at it so you know the room was a little different we had uh, Shaq Davidson when I was in and that first year, and you know, Shaq was a was a playmaker. He had transferred in from South Carolina, so those guys were were really competing. But it wasn't, you know, probably the same type of offense. We would definitely run heavy with Rock, and Rock was such an explosive running back. And you know, for us, we just really wanted to play our part in the, in the play-action pass game and, and really get down and dirty. Uh, when it came to blocking downfield for, um, for our run game. We were so strong in the run game, and we knew our opportunities were going to come, and we were going to have to take advantage of them when they did come. But, you know, that first year was, was a really, you know, developmental year to get those guys, you know, in order fundamentally and just really work on them to understand, you know, what we were trying to do with the offense and really get them to play that role. And, and they were receptive and we were you know successful you know as an offense and and really put up some good numbers some solid numbers and and won a conference championship and that was exciting and then you move into the year two and you know you can f- kind of feel a transition as far as our style of offense you know with having Zion Webb as a red shirt and that had developed as a freshman and we felt good where he was with his development and also Zara cooper coming in from Clemson um, which brought a different dynamic for us in the passing game. And then, you know, you talk about the addition of um, Josh Pearson, who was an unknown commodity, you know. I didn't know who he was. You know, he just walked up and introduced himself. And, uh, you know, the first thing you can see is his size, you know. And once we got him on the field and, you know, that first season, you know, uh, which would have been my second season, you know, him doing the um, scout team stuff and and just, you know, showing his explosive playmaking ability against some really good defensive backs. You know, Saran Neal and Reggie, you know, those boys was really competitive and, you know, they were aggressive and he was holding his own and really proving, you know, his skill set and what he could do and you saw something in him. And, you know, and from that standpoint, he's just worked, you know, tremendously in the weight room. You know, you can see the the weight that he's gained and the the muscle he's added and also just with his fundamentals and route running and knowledge of the game. And then you see, you know, Jamari and – and Bird, Daniel Bird, come along, you know, Bird was, was in the secondary, you know, he was playing corner and safety and he had transitioned back over to receiver, So to get him back in the fold and then you add some more pieces, you know, you add um, some of the, the freshmen and you add some transfers like um, Jerry Washington that came in from South Carolina. Then you add um, KJ Stefferson, you add uh, Ahmad, um, Edwards, and just the room just changed, you know, and... Then you start seeing these explosive playmakers that just needed an opportunity to get the ball in their hands, and then you know you add Zarek to the mix, and he was just a leader and, and um, very knowledgeable. And the kind of year he had last season was incredible. And the connection him and Josh really, you know, started. You know, it was so strong. You just had to roll with it, and you know, it rolled us to another conference championship, which was exciting. And, and you know, now we're going into this third year, and I think those guys are are really continuing to get better and better, and and I'm just excited to see that development.
0: Josh Pearson got a ton of attention last year, deservedly so, with breaking the single-season touchdown record at Jacksonville State, breaking Barge's old record. But just right behind him was Jamari Hester, who really didn't get as much publicity out of it, but Hester broke the record as well. And so talk about what Pearson was able to do to kind of open up Jamari Hester, but also the development of Jamari Hester since you got here.
1: Well, I would say uh, with Jamari, his confidence. He just gained so much confidence, and he only gained that through his hard work um, off the field. Um, And just seeing him really take his game to another level through his work ethic, working in the classroom as far as learning each and every position. You know, he's a guy in that room that can play, you know, all four positions, and we feel comfortable putting him at any of those spots. And then you add, you know, the confidence that Josh. You know, exudes, it's contagious. And I think that's what really happened to that room. You know, Josh was an unknown guy, but he didn't lack any confidence. You know, whenever he hit the field, it didn't matter who was in front of him. He was confident that he was going to be able to get the job done, and that's what he showed. And I think that kind of just rubbed off on everybody else. And, you know, from that standpoint, those guys just really started competing with each other and just started outworking each other. And that way, you know, every day they was getting a little bit better. And you can see it, you could see it. It was it was starting to trend in the right direction. And, and then from that standpoint, you know, the quarterbacks were on point and, and really taking advantage of some matchups that we created um, throughout the season. And. You know, before you know it, you just see those guys just continually, you know, set new records for themselves, you know, and just really challenging themselves to be better each game, and and that's what you want. You know, you want to see that competitive side of them and to challenge each other to get better and, and really hold the standard, and that's what they've done.
0: The first two years you were here, you're the wide receivers coach, so you were throwing the ball a lot. Those guys were getting some absolute bullets <laughs> thrown at them from you, uh, And for anybody that went to practice, it was a treat to watch you go out and throw a football because they were, like I said, absolute bullets, tight spirals every time. Do you feel like that helped the guys having an NFL quarterback throwing to these receivers out here and maybe getting them used to that type of level of play?
1: Well, I I think just my approach always, you know, as a receiver coach, I would coach them through the eyes of a quarterback. So when we talked about different route concepts, different angles, leverage, and how a quarterback would want you to come out of a break, how a quarterback would want you to stack to defender, you know, how the quarterback would want you to present your numbers to him so you can, you know, be a big, strong target, you know. And I think those little details of that position through the eyes of a quarterback, hopefully that helped him. And I would challenge him every day to just learn the small details of, you know, first step, not taking false steps, the importance of it, Um, the importance of of just gaining a – different leverage and angles on a defender you know by creating separation either through you know pad level through the separation on sticking your your foot in the ground having an indicator and also just using your hands at the line of scrimmage on your releases so you know from a standpoint of what I've seen over the, over my experience and what I would like A receiver to do that would help me out and be QB friendly. That's why I've always tried to coach those guys and hopefully, you know, that was something that they picked up on and learned from.
0: And so here you are now in year number three, quarterbacks coach. Do you feel more at home now with that position than you did wide receivers coach?
1: Absolutely. You know, quarterback is the position I played my entire life and now, you know, starting my coaching career, you know, that's where I started at, you know, coaching quarterbacks in high school and being an offensive coordinator there. So, and I also, before I got into that, I was doing quarterback training. So, you know, I've developed, you know, I've coached um, quarterbacks as young as eight years old, you know, I've, you know, was fortunate enough to help Dave Garrard, when he was out of football and he was trying to get back in, you know, I was training him, you know, each and every day to try to get him back into the NFL, and, and that was his goal, and that's when he ended up signing with the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, I've I've pretty much helped at every age group of quarterbacks and tried to give them knowledge that I've learned over the years, and you know, when you take a guy like a professional guy like Dave Garrard, and you just want to just remind him of the things that he already knows and just want to work on those fundamentals each and every day. You know, that's what I try to do with that approach. So now being home, you know, back in that position, coaching it, you know, it's comfortable for me. You know, I know that position, the ins and outs of it. And, um, you know, I'm excited. You know, I love to, to recruit quarterbacks. I love um, watching them um, develop. I love helping them develop. I love talking to other quarterback coaches that I can learn from that are probably, you know, teaching some different um, – techniques that I can pick up on and add to my toolbox so I'm always you know just love talking about quarterback play and and different things that I've I've learned and some different things that I can continue to learn.
0: Coach you played collegiately at Arkansas State and then after that you started your professional career and like we were talking about before the interview started started out as a free agent with the Packers.
1: Absolutely Um, you know that that journey was you know it wasn't your typical journey It, it was something that You know, I didn't see coming. I had no idea what was in store for me. You know, I was a four-year starter at Arkansas State and and really enjoyed my time there, set some records, and just really had fun with my teammates and just really enjoyed being on campus and and that environment. It was just a really good time of my life. And then you take that opportunity moving forward to where they're telling you you have a chance to actually get drafted to the NFL. And now you want to work at that, and you do and you know things don't go your way you don't get drafted but you find out that you know you have an injury you know from your junior year in college that you played with your senior year and um, it was a partially torn ACL and I found that out at the combine which was you know you know it, it was heartbreaking and disappointing and then you go and draft it and then I get I get picked up by the Packers, and. You know, I don't pass my physical, you know, they tell me if I want an opportunity to play at the next level, I'm going to have to have that surgery. So I go back, you know, Dr. Andrews, um, you know, well-renowned orthopedic surgeon, he does my surgery. I go back to school and and start, you know, coaching and, 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 and continuing, you know, my education there and, and, and rehabbing and, and trying to get back. Don't know if it's gonna happen, but I'm working towards it, you know, and I'm always having that dream and, and hope that it that it would happen. Um, but, you know, I always had a positive outlook on things and, and it worked itself out, you know. You go there and, you know, some things happen and then you get a shot to, to work out for some more NFL teams after you get cleared and you know, once that happened for me and got a chance to go to camp with the Ravens, that was a great experience being around Jeff Blake and Chris Ratman and all those guys that were there with the Ravens and, you know, playing for Bill Billick and, and that staff and a lot of, lot of really good coaches on that staff. Rex Ryan was the was the defensive line coach and it was just Ray Lewis. You know, he was, you know, in, in the middle of a Hall of Fame career. You know, it was, a, it was Ed Reed's. Uh, rookie year, would, he was drafted that year, so I just, I was around some incredible people, learned some incredible football, unfortunately you know, got cut and um, continued to work, you know, thought it was possibly over, but knew I still had the burning desire to play and end up getting another opportunity that was created through, you know, th- through some people that I knew at the University of Memphis and, and really went to a pro day and took advantage of that and got back in and had a workout, you know, and I go out to San Diego and, and, and really do well at that workout, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm in the NFL, and, you know, six, seven years later, I am I was still there. So, you know, it's kind of something that happened, and, you know, you don't know it's going to happen that way, but you just really continue to work hard and, and strive for it, and, you know, sometimes your dreams do come true.
0: What's crazy about that journey that you took was after being cut from the Ravens in 2002, you signed with the Memphis Explorers Arena Football II, and you don't even play a down with them yeah
1: don't play a down but just a quick story um with the explorers so we didn't really have we had an arena that we played in all right so it was the arena that was in Mississippi all right it was i, I can't remember the name of it it's a coliseum that's in like South Haven and it's a really nice arena it was probably a couple years old at the time but that's where we played our home games and We never got a chance to practice in the arena because there was a hockey team that was playing and their season was going on at the time. So their season was about to wrap up and then our arena season would start after their season ended. Well, what our coaches had the bright idea of laying the turf down in the parking lot, right? (laughs) (laughs) So they laid the turf down in the parking lot. We got this 50-yard field, this arena field, in the parking lot. We got these barriers around, but they're makeshift barriers. They're not firm, like the walls in arena, right? But I've never played arena football, so for me, this is helping me, you know, kind of have an arena feel because we had been practicing at high school, Mm -hmm. and we were only using 50 yards of the field at a high school, at a local high school practicing. So now we get actually a chance to work on an arena field. But we're in the middle of a parking lot. All right, so we practiced one night. It was smooth. Had the lights. Brought in some portable lights, we practice at night. Really good. Really good work. Right. So the first night we do it, we was kind of skeptical at first, but everybody out there practiced, like, hey, look, that was pretty, you know, that was pretty realistic, you know. We're looking forward to it the next night. So we get out the next night, you know, everybody's getting dressed in the out of the trunk of their cars, you know, <laughs> getting ready for practice. And, you know, we go out and start the next practice, and all of a sudden, the wind start whipping up. <laughs> 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 so, the wind, so the wind is whipping up, right? And we're in the middle of practice. Then all of a sudden, it start blowing some of the barriers around. So we're looking around at the is like, hey, how much longer are we going to be out here? Like, we need to wrap this up. They want to continue. So we continue practicing, and then all of a sudden, a big gust of wind comes in. <laughs> so everything starts flying around. Everybody runs off the turf, right, jumps off the turf. All of a sudden, the wind picks up the turf, and rolls it up like carpet you know like a rug in your house like you roll a rug up and you know take it out of your home yeah it just rolls the carpet up rolls the turf up and we looking around like man you know looking at each other like that could have been crazy so we looking around and is everybody good boom, boom boom and you just hear something in the rug in the turf yelling hey <laughs> <laughs> get me, get me out of here So one of our defensive backs, you know, ended up getting caught up in the turf and rolled up in the turf. So we had to roll the turf back out and get him out of the turf.
0: That's a true story. That is wild. (laughs) That is absolutely wild. That's a true story. So you go through all of that. You go through all the training camps and all the practices with the Explorers, and then through your connections with Memphis, like you were talking about, you go to their pro day, you get looked at, and then you go – on what is it three four plane trips within a
1: well what happened this this is what happened so i do the pro day and it was i I would i would say every team was in attendance it was um uh, one of um one of one of the my former teammates actually i ended up playing with the guy later in my career Wade smith was a big time um office alignment prospect coming out of the university of memphis at the time and everyone wanted to see him you know so they was there for his pro day so you know i didn't know so i walk in to this um this event and every nfl team is there and i'm like i'm excited i'm like okay and they've agreed to let me throw to to their receivers they didn't have a draft eligible receiver that year so they let me throw to them and man i threw the ball well you know impress some some teams there and um you know the first thing they was asking me was like hey man where you, where have you been you know you You know, you were in this draft class, but, you know, you did, you know, it was unfortunate. You didn't make a team. You hadn't been around. Like, where you been? Been training, you know, playing some arena ball. Let them know I never stopped working. And then, um, you know, through that workout, you know, I don't get any word from those guys that day. They was just give me information. I passed out all my contact information, just let them know I'm available to work out. And, you know, if there's anybody that wanted to work me out, just, you know, just let me know. So I'm at a friend's house the next day. Or the next couple days, whatever. I get a phone call from my old agent. So my old agent is Jimmy Sexton out of Memphis. And I, he wasn't representing me anymore. And um, Calro Jr., who was a really good friend of mine, and um, he was one of the agents in that firm, he called me just out the blue. And <laughs> I looked down at my phone, Right. So I see it's him. So I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to answer this. Because <laughs> the reason I didn't want to answer it, because I still owed them some money <laughs> <laughs> that I had borrowed from them, like, during the draft process, right? So I had, you know, taken out a loan and had some money still out there, and I couldn't pay it back. So, you know, I was kind of holding off on those payments, and I saw his number, and I was like, oh, man, I know <laughs> I know this is probably that phone call about, about that cash they need, right? So... I answered the phone anyway, and Kyle's like, hey, man, what you up to? I'm like, I'm just hanging out. He's like, I don't know what you just did, but I just had three teams that called me that wanted to set up workouts for you. And I told him, I was like, I don't represent them anymore. I don't even know who represents them. So I, he was like, who's your agent? I was like, I don't have an agent. You know, he was like, you want me to help you out? I was like, yeah. I said, I need some help. You know, I don't have anybody representing me. I don't know, you know, what I need to do. He's like, don't worry about it. He's like, what you got going on now? I was like, hey, I'm doing the Serena thing, you know, trying to stay in shape and play. And told him we were getting ready for our first first game of the year coming up that next weekend. And it was maybe a, a Friday or Saturday. And he, and he was like, okay, well, what's the time frame? So we set it up. And I was like, hey, look, as long as I'm back in town by Wednesday to prepare for this first game, I'll be fine. And um, he set it up. He was Miami called, Green Bay called, and San Diego called. So the plan was to go to San Diego Workout, leave there, go to Green Bay, workout, fly straight out of Green Bay after the workout, go to Miami, workout, after that workout, fly back to Memphis, and that should put me back there by Tuesday night. I'll be ready for practice on Wednesday. Well, I go out to San Diego, and um, you know, it's like a little mini combine. You know, it was probably whew, 12 to 16 guys out here, in all different positions. You had tight ends, you had receivers, you had quarterbacks. You had running backs, you know. You had some defenders, so they needed some guys for the OTAs, and I didn't know how all this worked. And um, I guess I impressed them, and, and they signed me that day, and I never forget it. Marty Schottenheimer called me into his office, and called me up. He's sitting there. He was like, "Hey man, you, we were impressed by your workout." He was like, um, "Who represents you?" I said, uh, <laughs> "I don't have an agent." He's like, well, we're gonna offer you a contract today. It's the standard, you know, undrafted contract, free agent street, free free agent contract. You know, what you want to do. I was like, do you? He's like, do you need to call somebody? I was like, nah. Where, where's the pen? <laughs> 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 I'm gonna go ahead and sign this thing before you try to take it back from me. You know, so signed it right there on the spot. They flew me back. I grabbed my stuff from Memphis through the peace sign up to the, to the Explorers. Man, I, I wish I could have been able to stay, but <laughs> I got some other things to do, and uh, you know, and kind of hung around from there man that was that was my my end at um at san diego with the chargers so you know and that was that was a great time out there with those guys
0: you spent the next few years with the chargers you were with the dolphins for a couple of years one year in jacksonville with the jaguars talk about your professional career your nfl career and what some of the experiences you had
1: you know what it was fun man um You know, I always say at that age, you know, it's probably, you know, fresh out of college, it's probably one of the best jobs you could ever have, you know, at that age. And and being able to play a sport that you've, you know, you've grown up since, you know, you can walk, you know, to dribble a ball or throw a football or kick a soccer ball. And now you're able to do it, you know, as a career. And people probably just don't understand how much work, you know, it takes. But, man, it was awesome. You know to be able to shut the field and shut the locker room with some of those amazing guys, and you know, um, had played against a couple of guys, you know, in college. You know, I, rem- I remember getting there and striking up a conversation. I Had been there; that was my first day there. And Ladanian Tomlinson um, had played him, you know, when I was at Arkansas State, and he was at TCU, and um, you know, and to to have a good relationship with him and know that we had competed against each other, and I never forget he was. It was his, yeah, we were both the same year. So it was my junior year, his junior year. It was his first time starting at tailback for TCU. He always had played that kind of fullback position in their offense. They had a little, little run game offense that he still got the a lot of touches uh, from that spot, but he had never played in that almost that eye position spot. And versus us, they put him in that spot. And... <laughs> That was that was a bad day for us. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, they beat us by a field goal, a late field goal in the game. And uh, my mom, she's like, she comes to the game, and as long as I don't get hurt, like. That's all she cares about. Like, if we win, that's great. She really is not a football person. Like, never was into it. But just the only thing she cared about was my success. But we, were, we would meet after the game, and she never talked about the game. Like, she'd be like, hey, you you're good? You healthy? You know, no injuries? That's all she cared about. But after that game, she was like, um, yeah, that guy that was running the ball against y'all tonight, yeah, he's going to the NFL. He's going to be really good. That's the only thing she said. And LT lit us up. And to see him do the same thing with the Chargers and to be witness to that, man, it was amazing. You know, that guy was incredible. And then to strike up a a really good friendship with Drew Brees and to share that QB room with him and the type of person he is, really good person, man. Um, You know, I met him at the Combine. We came out, all of us was the same draft class. So met him at the Combine. And, you know, he was a really good person. And, you know, we're still friends to this day. But at the same time, just a competitive person. You know, um, he was a competitor at the combine, and when I was with the Chargers, you know, he was competing, and he competed every day. And that '03 season was rough. You know, it was um, Drew as a starter, Doug Flutie was the backup, and, and Flutie is just amazing, man, just amazing person. You know, and the things that he's accomplished in his career, and then um, just to be the guy on the wall, just learning football. You know, it was a it was a good time, and. I think, you know, for me to be able to share the huddle, and uh, I tell this story again all the time, that fourth huddle, I, w- it was, I was in there. Wes Welker was in there. They brought him in as an undrafted free agent from Texas Tech. And then this guy named Antonio Gates, <laughs> 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 who was a basketball player from Kent State, right? Didn't know who he was. I had no idea. Everybody just said he took Kent State to the Sweet 16. All right, he was a good basketball player. I never had watched watched him in the tournament, didn't know anything about Kent State. I never saw him play basketball, right? But I just knew he was all of a sudden trying to get in the in, in a three point stance and he couldn't get in the three point stance. <laughs> <laughs> he was fresh off the basketball court. And to be in the huddle with those guys and then, you know, the reason you make the team because you're throwing the ball in the preseason to Antonio Gates. Like nobody knows who he's who he is, but every time you throw it to him, he catches it. So I'm like, you know what, I'm about to ride him. Like, (laughs) like, I don't care who else is on on this field. I'm throwing it to that guy. And, man, I just threw it to him, you know, all preseason. And he just continued to make plays, and he made me look good. (laughs) And we had fun, man, And just to have a relationship with him. You know, he was a guy that, you know, went from the fourth huddle in the NFL to now. He's a future Hall of Famer, you know, no doubt. You know, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But just to have those type of stories and to see some of these guys that you shut a field with, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you look back on it and kind of pinch yourself and be like, man, that was, that was a pretty awesome ride.
0: You mentioned Drew Brees. You were able to reconnect with him here lately. You went down to New Orleans for a, uh, I guess, what I would consider a coach's clinic, It was an internship.
1: So it's something that the NFL does for, you know, coaches that are trying to break into that league. And, you know, it was a great experience. Um, I've done a couple of those before. Um, I've done one with the Steelers. Uh, Mike Tomlin, who was – my receiver coach um, at Arkansas State so you know have a personal relationship with him and Randy Finkner who left Arkansas State went to Memphis then end up becoming the receivers coach at Pittsburgh when Mike got the job to go out there and reconnect with those guys um, a couple years ago then left and had the opportunity to do one with the Dallas Cowboys um, with Jason Garrett um, he was my position coach with the Dolphins so got a really good personal relationship with him really good guy and now to be able to do one with the saints and um, Pete carmichael who was the office coordinator for the saints he was the reason you know I, I had the opportunity had a good relationship with him in san diego he was um he was an assistant coach there when i was there and you know to still have those relationships and those guys you know bring you in and let you learn football and be around the guys and, and really try to enhance your coaching ability you know it's a great experience so it was it was cool being able to reconnect with drew that was, that was fun
0: and from the video I saw, it looks like you showed some people down there that you can <laughs> still throw the football.
1: Yeah, you know, I wasn't expecting to be in that. You know, Pete was like, hey, just come check it out. You know, maybe you can, you know, get in it. You know, it, we do it every day after practice. So I was like, all right, cool. So I didn't even know they was doing it. I was out on the field, and all the quarterbacks kind of just disappeared. So I was on my way in. I was like, you know what, let me stick my head into the um, into the indoor. So I looked in. They were in there, and I was like, okay, we'll go see what they're up to. And they all standing around talking. And Drew's setting everything up. And I'm like, oh, man, that would be cool to do that. And as they're doing it, all of a sudden, Drew just throws me in there. He was like, hey, my former teammate, get in here. You know, and they were kind of filming it. And I just got in there, man, and had some fun with it. So it was it was cool to be able to be a part of that.
0: And then outside the football world, you and your wife have a foundation, the Cleo Lemonade Foundation. What does your foundation do? What does it serve? And how did you go about founding it?
1: Well, the foundation really started, you know, when I had opportunity to – be a part of the NFL I just felt like I just wanted to give back in some form and fashion and for me I just I I just really have a a soft spot for kids and I've always wanted to to really give them inspiration on just going after whatever dream you might have uh, whatever personal personal goal you might have for yourself and it all started by me um, doing my first camp Um, in my hometown of Greenwood, Mississippi. I was able to go back, do a football camp, football clinic for kids. And it was a a, a wide range from like eight-year-old to like um, 17-year-old kids who were, you know, just wanted to come out, have some fun, learn some fundamentals. And I would always bring my current teammates, whatever team I was with, with me. I always brought maybe two or three guys to my hometown so the kids can see them, you know, ask them questions. And for them to understand, like, these guys come from the same environments that you come from right and they've gone through the same things that you have and they just really sacrificed and worked hard and made good decisions and really were able to do some things in life you know that you know only a small percentage of people are able to do and from that standpoint you know the foundation you know just grew from us doing you know um things for holiday season doing um back to school fundraisers you know I've done cerebral palsy right did that did a really big event uh, at a local high school and raised a lot of money for one of the coaches that I really had a really good relationship with and you know we've done all type of events with this foundation and we've given away different you know personal items we've given away signed jerseys We've given away scholarships. We've given away uh, just opportunities to different travel events. It's just been a a fun thing to do, and it's been rewarding because it has touched so many lives. And, you know, to be able to do that with my wife and be able to, you know, see the joy on people's face, it's it's been fun. And and that's just one of the joys that I have, you know, and some of, you know, one of the things I created that I just really feel strongly about.
0: And then uh, kind of in closing, you mentioned that you left Arkansas State, you went back later to the University of North Florida, finished your degree, and you're somebody that you accomplished your dream. You went out, you played NFL football, you could probably live comfortably for the rest of your life, but it was important to you to go back and get that degree. What was important about getting that degree and why would you suggest that for any other kid that has the opportunity to leave and go play professional football, but still say, hey, it's important that you get this degree?
1: Well, my approach to student-athletes is, you know, degree first. You know, I was, I was raised by two educators. Uh, my mom uh, was a longtime college professor um, at uh, Mississippi Valley State University. She was a professor in the business department. All right, my dad was my basketball coach in high school, and he was an educator. You know, both my parents, 30-plus years you know, um, being educators. So education was first in my household. So it started with my parents. So it was ingrained in me. So, you know, to have that type of work ethic and to be able to understand the importance of it, I think that's what has driven me my entire career. And then, you know, once the decision came down for me to be able to pursue a professional sport career, you know, i talked with my parents about it. And I left school, you know, to pursue it. And, you know, once I talked with my mom and dad about it, you know, they was like, hey, you know, if you do this, now you know it's going to be your obligation to go back and finish. So, you know, once I gave them my word that that's what I would do, you know, once I hung up my cleats and um, decided that that was it on my playing career, the first thing I did was enroll in school and started back taking classes, got into the swing of things, and really enjoyed it, like enjoyed my time at the University of North Florida learning and really sharing my life experiences with those young, you know, students that were, you know, the same way I was when I was 18 to 21 years old at Arkansas State that didn't know what I wanted to do, you know. But when you go back to school as an adult and you have working experience and you have life lessons that you can lean on, I think you have a totally different appreciation for it. And I really enjoyed that time. So now when I talk to the players that I coach, I tell them, the first thing I tell them, hey, look, man, we're going to graduate. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's the, that's the one thing you're here to do. The professional stuff, you know, I keep that to a minimum. But for me, you know, I speak on academics. I try to anyway every day to try to, kind of get a a heartbeat on where they are academically what assignments that has to be done weekly you know semesterly so you know we can help continue to develop these young men you know into into citizens that can be you know contributing and with these guys you know they know that about me and they know that's what I'm about and that's what I stand for you know they they know there's no negotiations on that we're going to go to class right we're going to we're going to do all assignments we're going to graduate we're going to get good grades and then when it's our turn to give back right we're going to do the same things and you know it's been so you know rewarding to see guys like josh you know josh was was awarded the the afca teamwork you know award today when i see guys you know giving back in the community like that that's what gives me joy you know the football stuff i know they work hard at that you know i'm with them every day helping them But to see them go above and beyond to get those type of accolades and they're doing it for the right reasons to put smiles on these kids' faces and really give them inspiration, you know, that's what I do it for. So that was amazing to see him, you know, get that award today.
0: And so lastly, apparently she has a pretty good eye. Has your mother seen any NFL prospects on this team?
1: (laughs) You know what? Since I've been here to coach these guys, you know, we've had – guys to go to the nfl and make teams and contribute so for me it's not a surprise when i see nfl scouts here that are watching our guys and evaluating them you know getting their real detailed evaluation from the coaches and how they practice and how they approach the game and how well do they study you know these guys are are really motivated you know and and they work extra hard at it so if the opportunity comes it's a blessing but more than anything just to see the process and how serious they take it and how hard they work at it because the guys that have come before them having the chance to do that and it gives them hope to do it you know to see saran neal you know when i first got here you know i thought he had a chance and drafted on the field contributing you know to see rock you know make a team it's just it's not surprising to see those guys, you know, move on from Jacksonville State and have success at the NFL level.
0: Well, Coach, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Greatly appreciate you uh, coming up and being with us, and fantastic talk
1: man you know what I enjoyed it and anytime that you um, you, know, you got an open invite for me I'll, I'll come up and, and talk football at any time
0: I'll, I'll definitely love. take you up on that because I think there's a lot more stories there just <laughs> like the arena football story that we could we could get into
1: absolutely some of them now you might have to edit so, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you coach all right man. As we mentioned in the interview, the quarterback competition video shot at Saints training camp can be found in the Behind the Beak story on JSUGameCockSports.com or on my Twitter timeline, and that's at Tyler Brown underscore 91. That does it for this week's edition of Behind the Beak. Be sure to check back in Tuesday, September 24th as we release a new episode. Until then, I'm Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening, so long, and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting jsugamecocksports.com. For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, jsugamecocksports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSU Gamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.